Michigan State basketball is reopening Big Ten play with Nebraska at Breslin Center tonight. We get to know this Nebraska ball basketball team. And hey, will Michigan State be another team that goes 5-7 one year to national championship game the next? Hmm. Let's find out. You are Locked On Spartans, your daily podcast on the Michigan State Spartans. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Spartan fans, Spartan friends, Spartan family, welcome to another episode of Locked on Spartans. That's right, your team every single day here on the Locked on Podcast Network. I'm your host, Matt Sheehan, and I'm going to guide you through an episode here of, well, just talking about that Michigan State basketball team as they take on Nebraska tonight. Actually, I shouldn't have said that. It's not really much about the Michigan State basketball team. We know all sorts about them. This episode is going to be more about, well, Nebraska, because we don't know too much about this team, but uh, we probably should get to know them before the game tips off tonight at 7 p.m., either at Breslin Center, if you're going to the game, or, hey, on Big Ten Network. But before getting to that, hey, please rate, review, and subscribe to this year's podcast or YouTube channel. Uh, if you're listening on YouTube, yes, you notice you can't see my face right now. I just put up a thumbnail. Right now, uh, for the rest of this week, that's what we're going to be doing with that, just Technically, that's going to work out better. I won't bore you with the details, but yeah, we will get back to actual video here in a hot second. Uh, and actually, hey, this is probably a good way to start the year for you as well. You don't have to look at my face the entire time while I'm doing this. You can just hear my voice, which is probably more beneficial for everyone involved. All right, let's talk about this Nebraska Cornhusker team. Fred Hoiberg has got the boys somewhat rolling. I guess in Nebraska, uh, they are eight and six on the season, which is okay, fine for Nebraska and uh, especially the Fred Hoiberg era, which has had its ups and many downs. But this season is probably considered an up so far for the Huskers. Uh, they are eight and six on the year, and only two of those losses are quad two losses, which still isn't even like the worst loss in the world. Uh, the two quad two losses are to St. John's and Memphis. And the other four losses are quad one losses to Purdue, which wasn't overtime. Indiana, Kansas State, and Oklahoma. So that's a long way of saying that. Yeah, of the six losses, Nebraska doesn't have a bad one in there. Now, with that said, of the eight wins that they do have, they only have one quad one win, which is when they took it to Creighton earlier. And that was uh, in the beginning of the season when Creighton was thought to be this top 10 team. Obviously, it's not entirely the case, but at the end of the day, Creighton's still a solid basketball squad, and Nebraska pipes them. Uh, They got them pretty good, and Nebraska's also fresh off of a beatdown victory over Iowa, so yes, they have re-entered Big Ten play as well. They did that on the 29th not too long ago, and just absolutely took it to Fran McCaffrey and the Iowa Hawkeyes, who look to be not great. Uh, this year, but hey, anytime you can have a double-digit Big Ten win, that's worth remarking. So it's clear that Nebraska does some things good. They do some things, well, not so good, because look, at the end of the day, this isn't a complete blue blood program coming in, but we're going to start with the things that Nebraska is good at, because there's plenty of that this year, as opposed to other years for Nebraska, and it's defense. Uh, they're 41st in the country at defensive efficiency. And also, hey, they don't foul a whole lot while they do play their defense. They have a top 
five opponent free throw rate in the country. So they play, well, a nasty defensive game, but in that nastiness is a little bit of cleanliness as well. So if that makes any bit of sense, it does to my head. So hopefully if you're not a ball like me, it makes sense to you as well. Uh, They also are a very balanced team. Uh, They got six guys averaging at least nine points per game, and none of the guys are averaging over 14 points. So, no, there's no one that's a complete bonafide star of the team with a bunch of, you know, uh, sidekicks around. No, it it is a balanced team, top to bottom. They do go into their bench for some help as well. But one of the starters, and this is a guy that has played sparingly throughout the season, is Derek uh, Derek Walker, six foot nine forward. Missed a bit of the start of the season, but has come along to lead Nebraska in scoring at 13.6 points per game, 8 rebounds, and 65.5% shooting from the field. If you put all those numbers together, you could probably figure as much that he is a big man, and that would be correct. He is six foot nine, uh, doesn't step out and take a three. He does it all inside the paint for the most part, but yes, the highest field goal percentage in the Big Ten resides in sunny Lincoln, Nebraska, in Derek Walker. Now, around him, just like we said, there's another batch of guys to keep your uh, eyes peeled for. Like Sam Griesel, six foot seven, transfer from North Dakota State University. Uh, big-bodied guard, six foot seven guard, solid defender as well. Also, another player to keep your eye on, uh, Kasai Tuminga. I hope I said his name right because, uh, look, he's a very exciting player to watch. Averages 10.6 points per game, but holy smokes, uh, very rarely will you just find this kid having an okay game. He either blows up for like 23 points or he lays an absolute stinker out there for about four points. Very hot and cold player. Uh, Best shooter on the team from beyond three-point land at 37%, but yeah, God, I, I feel like whenever I either watch Nebraska or check out a box score, he either went 5 for 7 from 3 or he went 1 of 9 from 3. So we will see which Tominga shows up to Breslin Center on Tuesday night. And also last player that I want to highlight really quick, uh, Jawan Gary. He is a transfer. He is from Alabama and he is t- a top 5 steal leader in the Big Ten, another strong, uh, just physically imposing wing player too. Six foot six, just like I said, really solid defensive player. So it will be a good matchup on the wings when you add Sam Griesel in, uh, Jawan Gary. It'll be a good matchup for AJ Hogard, Jaden Akins. Uh, you know, guys that are going to be going up against the bigger body players that Nebraska has. So two other quick things that Nebraska is good at this year: playing slow, playing at a glacial pace. Uh, they don't rank outside the top 300 in adjusted tempo, but they are close to it. Uh, they really take the game down to a grinding halt. They like to play a game that is kind of very reminiscent of the early Big Ten basketball days, even before Nebraska joined the conference, if you will. And that's been a good recipe for uh, Nebraska success this year. You know, you add in a bunch of fifth-year seniors, some solid transfers, but also, too, just the style of play that they have now. It's boring. It's it's like watching paint dry, but yeah, you know what? Like, it's getting Nebraska more wins than they usually have at this time of the year. So there you go. Look at you, Fred Hoiberg. What the, what an adjustment to make. And then also, one thing that Michigan... Sorry, one thing that Nebraska is really good at that's a really odd stat because it is entirely out of their control. 
Free throw defense. That's right. Opponents are shooting 62% from the free throw stripe against Nebraska. Of course, I, like that doesn't really mean much for Nebraska or anything good they really do. Because it's not like you can defend a free throw, but hey, at the end of the day, uh, look, teams are shooting 62% against them from the free throw stripe, and that's third best in the nation. So maybe they have some voodoo magic going on to their side. Um, really quick, things that Nebraska is bad at. Uh, look, it's not like we're welcoming in you know, vintage Duke into Breslin Center. They do have some flaws. And namely, the flaws that we are looking at here is shooting. Shooting and shooting. Uh, their three-point percentage of 30.2% ranks 315th in the country. So this will be the second game in a row. Michigan State is welcoming in a awful, awful three-point shooting team. Uh, Buffalo was somehow even worse than Nebraska is. But yes, Nebraska isn't much better either. Now, of course, Nebraska doesn't take a lot of threes either. So we'll see how moot of a point that's going to be. But yes, 30.2% three-point shooters. And also free throw percentage uh, is reflected on that as well. They shoot free throws at a 65.6% clip from the stripe. Uh, just like the three-point percentage, that is also 315th best in the nation. And one good thing going for MSU as well is that, hey, it is the alumni is own game. So yes, there's always energy for the alumni is own game. And no, that's not to throw shade at the current students, but hey, with these alumni uh, that were there when the Izone was truly what it was, and you know, everyone thinks that their era was the best era, but I gotta say, like that early mid 2000s era Izone, whew, that pops, and you get those alumni of those eras in the building for one night and one night only, an Izone alumni game. That usually means good things for Michigan State. Uh, we're gonna switch things up here really quick, talk football here in a hot segment. First, need to talk your ear off about LinkedIn jobs. As a small business owner or hiring manager, you know that success in 2023 all depends on the team members you surround yourself with, and that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. With LinkedIn Jobs, you can hire qualified candidates more efficiently by matching open roles with people that have skills, values, and experience that is going to let you achieve your goals. LinkedIn Jobs helps you uh, quickly attract qualified candidates to your open jobs with targeting tools, and they go beyond resume data by using insights from your job post company and their 875 million member profiles to put your post in front of the most qualified candidates. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. So what are you waiting for? LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That's linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions. Oh, that's right. They apply. Now let's head to the gridiron here. We just have one small bit of Michigan State football news before fielding some mailbag questions here. And the little tidbit here is that Tate Halleck, a uh, defensive back for Michigan State, becomes the ninth player to enter the transfer portal. Uh, he graduated in December. We'll have two years of eligibility remaining. Um, and yes, he is the, like I said, the ninth player to enter the transfer portal for Michigan State. Uh, I'm not going to give a whole Jeremy Bernard reaction to this and um, just 
get in my bunker and say the sky is falling. Um, look, he hasn't only played sparingly at Michigan State, so looking for other opportunities, probably more playing time, um, something that you know suits what he wants a little more. So good luck to him as he moves forward in his career. So yeah, that's uh, the only tidbit really that we have from football around these parts. So uh, now that I've said that, jinx that into oblivion. Uh, wow. Uh, hmm. We'll probably see uh, both coordinators fired. Uh, not now that I just said it. Hey, it's actually kind of quiet around football lately, huh? Hasn't it? So I don't. Know. Stay tuned for that. Uh, we do have two mailbag questions we want to get to. Uh, this first one comes from an unnamed emailer, uh, lockedonspartans at gmail.com If you ever want to reach out, like this unnamed emailer has. Uh, very short email too, I must say. Point blank, talk me into MSU going 5-7 and seven to a national title game. Now this comes after the college football playoff, where of course TCU becomes one of the very few teams, I believe they're only the second team to do so, uh, goes from 5-7 and seven to national title game. Um, actually, the other team that has done that might be Michigan State. I don't know. It was, uh, I think I read that very late New Year's Eve on Twitter. Mine was kind of in a different place at that point. Hop Slam took over at that point. Memories are a little fuzzy, but hey, Michigan State may or may not be the other team that has gone five and seven to national title game in back-to-back years. So how can 2023 Michigan State be another team that does that? That's what the emailer I think wants to know. What they mean by that question. So let's get crazy. Let's put on our silly hats and uh, imagine. Michigan State missing a bowl game and then, yeah, just barnstorming right to the national title game next year. First and foremost, hey, you know what? This actually doesn't take too much imagination. Uh, you got to feel good about the front seven, right? Simeon Barrow, Derek Harmon, uh, whoever plays the edge, you get another year coaching from Brandon Jordan, uh, whether it's Bogle and Petrowski or one of these young guys and by Job, Andrew DePape. Uh, and then also the linebacker core, if you can get a healthy Darius Snow. You already have Jacoby Winman, you have Aaron Brule, Cal Halliday, maybe Ma'a Nautiote steps up in another year in the program. Okay, like that, that's a really good front seven, actually. That might be one of the best in the Big Ten, really. So, okay, that's okay, check one. Now to reach the national title game, you need to check off a lot more boxes than that. But hey, let's say the scheme finally hits its stride in another year with Scotty Hazleton at the helm. And we talked about this not too long ago on this podcast, and fans have talked about this, you know, God, throughout the season it feels like, is that Pat Narduzzi in his early days at Michigan State, it, it was kind of a work in progress. It kind of took two and a half, three years for his system to get fully implemented in Michigan State football and both become... A juggernaut for Michigan State. So yeah, uh, maybe another year with Hazleton at the helm, uh, getting those young players a little older. That they like, I, I don't know. Yeah, look, the the secondary is going to be a big question mark in the next season. But humor me there with, hey, maybe another year is when things really start to click. Now, clicking, uh, there, there's a big difference between. Hmm. Uh, all right. Well. We are so good that it is the no-fly zone all over again. We are a top 10 defense in the secondary. And then clicking, which is the more realistic option of what we want to see of. Instead of looking just terrible and getting shredded every time you play a halfway decent quarterback, maybe don't do that. So, I don't know. We'll see how big of a stride it can take next year. And let's say Kaden Hauser, too. If we can go to the offensive side of the ball, wins the job at quarterback. And let's say, hey, Peyton Thorne doesn't win the job and... Uh, 
can he lead Michigan State to a national title with his ceiling, which I think we've seen? I don't think so, but maybe Caton Hauser, who is thought of to have the bigger ceiling amongst quarterbacks at Michigan State, maybe he just becomes him in year one. Uh, you know, big body kid, maybe can run the ball, a little physical quarterback, and then can also sling the ball as well. And maybe him and Keon Coleman create some unreal chemistry together. And if I could borrow another six foot four receiver, just like Keon Coleman is, let's go to that five and seven to a national title team we were just talking about in Quinton Johnston. Yes, TCU's massive receiver, uh, both literally and figuratively with how he plays. Maybe Keon Coleman becomes Michigan State's Quinton Johnston and just balls out for the entire season. And also, Okay, that's just boxes Michigan State has to check off for themselves. And look, there's there's a lot more that you got to talk about, right? The offensive line has to improve. You got to replace Jaden Reed. I think having a field goal kicker next year would be really cool. Uh, call me old fashioned. I just think that'd be a really good idea to have one of those. But also, too, you got to think about everything else that happens around you, like conference play. Now, what helps here is that Michigan and Penn State, both those games are at home. Heck, Penn State's breaking in a new quarterback next year, and while I think personally that he's going to be the real deal, maybe this is one of the million times I jinx uh, a quarterback prediction, and he actually isn't that good, so maybe Penn State falters a little bit next year. Uh, Washington, that game is at home at least. Your crossover games of at Iowa, at Minnesota, and home versus Nebraska are fine. You know, but these are games that you can get through. And, of course, maybe you could be like TCU and have half of your games be against the team's backup quarterbacks, and that helps you get to that 12-1 and record that gets you in the playoff. But, yeah, you're going to need some luck. But before dealing with the luck, look at what Michigan State has. And, um, yeah, that's the best I can do. Uh, look, do, do I think Michigan State improves next year? Sure, yeah, I you know I have reason to believe that it won't be another five and seven season. I also have, you know, the voices in my head that say no, it probably is going to be another five and seven season. But those aren't as loud as the ones that are telling me that improvement is probably coming. But whew, my goodness gracious, uh, to going from not watching your team play in a bowl to watching them play for it all, uh, yeah, that uh, it's a big jump. But that's what's fun about the mailbag questions that sometimes you gotta. Hit those challenges here. And also, really quick, this is from SD4L. This came in a mailbag question last week that we are finally getting to. So SD4L, if you are listening right now, thank you for being patient. Really do appreciate it. But he asked, or she, you know, I guess I don't know who SD4L is. They ask, does the win over Notre Dame in September 18th, 2010, represent the moment MSU football became a serious program? Is there a better quote-unquote turning point? Uh, if you can't put that date together, that is the uh, little Giants fake field goal play uh, in overtime. You know, Charlie Gant running the ball into the end zone. You already know the play by now. But that is a really good, really good point for the time at Michigan State became a serious program. And uh, look, the 2010 season was just great overall. I mean, that's when they won the Big Ten title. Um, that is a really good one. But I got, can I cheat? Actually, can I just cheat, actually, and agree with SD4L, but also use a stretch of games as a turning point? Uh, because also, look, okay, the next weekend after that, uh, Northern Colorado. Okay, you did okay against them, 45-7. That's not the game I'm talking about. The games I'm talking about are after that, 
Number 11, Wisconsin. And I believe that Mark D'Antonio was still not coaching for that game. Uh, someone please email me if I'm getting that mistaken. But number 11, Wisconsin, comes into your house. You are raked number 24. You just had this amazing overtime win against Notre Dame. You have the nation's eyeballs on you. And it's like, hey, Michigan State, they're pretty good this year. But how many times have we seen them get off to a hot start in the John L. Smith era and then, oh, 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 oh. Quite, quite a bit uh, in the decade plus leading up to this Mark D'Antonio regime. Um, but hey, you know what? They beat Wisconsin. They do it on ABC, thirty-four to twenty-four. And then the next week after, they go to number eighteen Michigan. It is an eighteen versus seventeen matchup. It's like okay, well, fun little game against Notre Dame. That was awesome. They did get that top fifteen win against Wisconsin. All right. We'll go on the road and uh, beat a top 20 team. Then we'll really know if you're for real. And oh my God, uh, how about a 34 to 17 victory over that school down the road? I th- I think that's when the turning point happened. Uh, not just for me, but I think nationally as well. And of course, you know the rest of the season doesn't hurt. Uh, you go the rest of the way. You win the Big Ten title. You know, split three ways, but. Yeah, that was a massive, massive stretch for Michigan State in those four weeks. The the Notre Dame overtime win, beating number 11 Wisconsin, and then, yeah, just absolutely bludgeoning Michigan on the road. So I think that's it right there, is that's when the turning point happened. Now, there can be an argument made for the Outback Bowl, you know, the next year in 2011, because that whole season was Michigan State proving that, well, yeah, we could be good two years in a row. You know, this isn't a one-off, fluke-year sort of program under Mark D'Antonio. We can find sustained success here. And yes, while the Outback Bowl wasn't, you know, the Rose Bowl, because the Big Ten Championship game happened, but still, those were classic games. They won that game against Wisconsin earlier in the year in the first matchup. And yeah, the coronation of beating a top-20 Georgia team and putting your stamp on that of, uh, yeah, we (laughs) we are a good team, not just in our conference, but also outside. I could see an argument made for that. And also, too, if you weren't sold in 2010 or 2011, maybe you have to be someone that sees something extreme, something incredible. So that 2013 Big Ten Championship game against Ohio State, maybe for the the highest of naysayers, maybe that was it for the turning point for Michigan State football because it was hard to to deny what Mark D'Antonio had cooking in East Lansing at that point, right? Uh, If if you were one of the, the last holders of the stock of, oh, Mark D'Antonio is just overrated. That stock crashed when they beat Ohio State in 2013 to hold the Buckeyes from a national championship game, but also book MSU's flights to Pasadena for the Rose Bowl. So yeah, for me, it was early, just like SD4L. It was in 2010. It was very early. And of course, hindsight is 2020. Like, But even in the moment, it kind of felt like, yeah, Oh yeah, like we're we're here. This Mark D'Antonio guy it slaps. He's awesome. This is great. So, and maybe you know I'm kind of being selfish because that was my freshman year and I just had that new spring chicken excitement too about everything going on in college and uh, so maybe that plays a factor as well. But no, I think it was that 2010 era right there. If you guys have any questions, um, hey, because again, football not not a lot going on. And I know I just jinxed that. I know something crazy is going to happen in the program now that I've said that. But, yeah, if you have any segment ideas, you want me to talk about something, uh, LockedOnSpartans at gmail.com is the place to find us. We will be back tomorrow breaking down the Michigan State versus Nebraska ball game here. 
God, I hope it's a win. Michigan State could really use one of those in Big Ten play. So, uh, yeah, because one against Penn State isn't enough. Would love to make it two in a row in Big Ten play. So, you know where to find us. Locked on Spartans. You guys are the best. Thank you so much for giving us a listen here. Love you all. Go Green.